0: Welcome back, I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to explore the consumer side of disruption. Here's what's gonna go down today. We have the flavor of the week about a recent tweet chat on the topic of whether healthcare has become a consumer industry. How do we, as people, engage with the various entities in our healthcare journeys, and what's coming next when it comes to addressing consumers' needs? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome back Ben Dillon to guide us through Geonetrics latest consumer health research. Geonetric recently conducted a report about the preferences and perceptions of health consumers related to their use of technology throughout their journey. You'll want to hear Ben's takeaways from the research, what he would do as a marketing leader, and where he expects consumer transformation is headed in the next 24 months. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. flavor of the week. Has healthcare become a consumer industry? That was the topic of a recent HITSM tweet chat presented by Healthcare IT Today and hosted by Erica Olenski-Johansson. The setup was that in many ways, both as professionals and patients who use these services provided by the healthcare industry, we need and want to know what we're working with. We want and need to know how to orient ourselves in the highly complex economy that demands more financial attention year after year. We want and need to know how to engage with the organizations that identify as providers, insurers, and others. We want and need to know who we are. Patients, consumers, or something else? There were three exchanges during the chat that stood out to me. The first question had to do with whether patients are consumers or are consumers patients. Erica had a great comment. She said, it helps to validate the experience of patients as having economic influence, but I think it's also important to not oversimplify the experience of healthcare as a consumer experience. Our experience as patients typically is vulnerable, even if it is empowering. It's important we do not just view patients as consumers without acknowledging that vulnerability. Now, I thought that was a great comment. The fact that every encounter is deeply personal and affects lives can get lost in the words consumer or consumerism, which seems to imply the transactional parts of the experience. Later, we were asked to give examples of companies, organizations, and thought leaders that are doing innovative work with consumers in mind. I pointed to several of our recent guests here on the podcast from VillageMD, ChenMed, Geisinger, Nice, and others. John Lynn asked if these models will scale to the entire healthcare system, and I responded asking if they need to. Can they each just take care of their patient population's primary care needs, whether it's seniors or at home patients or maternal patients, etc., and then refer to specialty care as needed? John clarified saying he didn't mean scaling across specialties, but instead, will they scale to all the various primary care across the country? And I thought that was a good distinction because market expansion is something that all of these disruptors are working on, but it's capital and time intensive to expand to new markets. So it's a slow go. Finally, we were asked whether healthcare has indeed become a consumer industry. I said that we're in the first inning, to which John again asked what I think is going to happen in the second inning. Now, I knew I needed more than 280 characters to answer that one, so I said I'd save it for this segment of the podcast. So here goes. I think the next inning or phase of consumer transformation is going to be remarkable. There's been a lot of progress in the last few years, but we're still needing basic common definitions, best practices, and a professional community laser-focused on it. I think there will be a focus on the who of consumer transformation as opposed to the how. First, we need to better understand who should own the function and how they can grow in the necessary skills and competencies to expedite those initiatives. I think we'll learn that representing the voice of the consumer in the business systems and digital infrastructure of care will have to come organically from within. We'll see progress in substantially building up the consumer transformation function across all roles, seniority levels, and types of healthcare organizations. We'll see the creation of a highly influential professional society that leads the establishment of best practices, skills, and competencies. We'll also see a growing number of leaders facilitating more cooperation and competition that will benefit the healthcare experience. Experience for consumers, and we'll see those leaders become among the most influential in their fields, most valued to their organizations, and most satisfied with their careers. So that's what I think is coming next. And if any of that sounds familiar, those points all happen to come from the Consumer First Health Manifesto, which came from the Consumer First Health Group, the community that's sure to be driving these changes. I invite you to be a part of the movement and pay attention to what's coming next for consumer transformation. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up once again for the one, the only Ben Dillon. Ben's in the house with us, he's the Chief Strategy Officer at Geonetric. Ben, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap.
1: It's great to be here.
0: It's great to be here. Ben, if anyone was there at all in Miami and they saw you get inducted into the Healthcare Internet Hall of Fame, it was just kind of a cool thing, I got to say. Not everyone can lead in their bio and mention that part, but I want to congratulate you first off and, and just tell like tell us what that was like.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, I uh, I was one of the inaugural judges for the awards. I know that there's a big process within that, and and honestly, I had no expectation that that was that was coming. I was really. Really thrilled to be to be recognized, and and I think it's, it's if you're not familiar with the program, I think it's a great way for us to continue to recognize the individuals and the organizations that have been involved within our space for a long time, and just you know capture that that history as we now move into something that's that's been going on for a good 20 years now.
0: Fill us in on your bio a little bit. What else would you like our listeners to know
1: about you? Like, what did I miss? I, I mean, I think you, you caught a lot of it. Uh, certainly, I've had the, the pleasure of being with Geometric now for, I guess, 23 years now in, in a lot of different roles there and, and been, you know, very privileged to, to work within that organization for a long, long time. And I've had lots of other industry outreach. Uh, I was on the Shishmed board for a long, long time, including uh, having been Shishmed president, I'm on the eHealthcare Strategy and Trends Editorial Advisory Board. I think it's important that all throughout that we're we're giving back to the industry and we're helping to support the organizations that that bring us together and help level all of us up. And I've, again, I've been really fortunate to have some great opportunities to do that and, and continue to do that. Things are changing so much. I wonder if you could give us like a state of the state. Like,
0: what are healthcare organizations doing well when it comes to any side of the healthcare
1: experience that relates to consumers? and then where do they still face challenges well you know it's certainly been a really interesting couple of years as as we think about all of this stuff the, you know it's almost it's still required i think to mention the pandemic a couple of times during any any conversation but you know i do think that the pandemic was something of a watershed moment for all this stuff if we think about what we were talking about in 2019 you kind of pre-pandemic we were really focused on all this disruption coming in from the outside, but I think a lot of organizations weren't quite sure what to, what to do with that, right? You know, Walmart's coming in, CVS is growing this, there's this startup or that startup happening out there. And they they saw the competition and they were concerned about the competition, but I think it was, it was hard for them to wrap their head around, where, where do we go with that? And then, you know, during the pandemic, I think the biggest shift that we saw was just consumers' expectations for how they can interact with, with brands, I guess, you know, digitally speaking, really exploding, right? You know, I, you know, I think about today, right? When I, when I order a pizza, I won't order pizza from a place where I can't, you know, watch my pizza all throughout the process, right? You know, is it it made, is it in the oven yet? Is it in a box yet? Is it in a car yet? I track the car right to my house and that's become my expectation for something as simple as pizza, and then, you know, I go to the doctor and I might have to wait an hour because they're backed up and I had no way to see that, no way to, to know that that was going to be an issue. And, and so these gaps that we have between where consumers are and they're thinking about these things and where we're at as an industry are are absolutely huge. And so, you know, we've been watching for a long time what is going on in, in healthcare. care. This year we did this consumer survey, but traditionally what we've done is a survey of the industry, and, uh, and we do have, you know, last year's report out on our, our website and, and you can get at that as well. But we know from that survey what we as an industry think we're doing well, right? And we, you know, we know we're really good at telling our story. Personally, I think maybe we talk about ourselves a little too much in telling our story, but, you know, we're good at, at telling, telling our story of our organizations. We're good at sharing high quality, fact-based information about diseases and conditions, you know, and I think we're we're good at reaching out, and engaging with consumers through things like email and social media. I think the places that we where we need to be leveling up, and I think organizations are focused on leveling up. Uh, there's there's really two where I see a lot of focus right now. And I think the first is just the ability to do transactions. And I know that people kind of cringe a little bit, you know, transactions. And maybe isn't the 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 funny, you know, sexy way of putting that, but we need to let consumers actually be able to do things with our health systems or our our healthcare organizations digitally, right? It's great if we can present ourselves out there that people can learn about, you know, things that they can find out where they can get care and things like that, but they need to be able to actually do things and, and not have to pick up the phone or show up at the organization in order already to do that stuff. So we did take some big steps forward with that during the pandemic. And I think, you know, particularly that telehealth was, was the thing we all focused a lot on. But, you know, even with that, you know, kind of step forward that we took, and the industry has kind of stepped back a little bit, but, you know, there's certainly more telehealth than I think anyone envisioned five years ago that we'd be taking on today. Uh, but we still can't schedule appointments or procedures for most healthcare organizations without getting a human scheduler involved, right? You know, at least not kind of across the board. There may be places where we can do that. You know, basically the things that airlines have been doing for 15 or 20 years online are still largely beyond what we can do in healthcare. So we, we need to get there. Like, and and I think I think our ability to get there and really provide an experience where people can do more of those interactions digitally is going to be really important for how we present things as we go forward. I think that maybe that leads into the second area, which is just user experience, right? User experience in the digital realm. And I think I think this is a big part of where a lot of those new competitors that we were concerned about in 2019, and now that we're mostly focusing on what's after the pandemic, we, you know, we're concern, concerned about now, right? They allow people to do more digitally. They are better at pricing transparency. They're better at, at the in-person experience in, in many cases as well. When we can get there from a you know, more traditional player perspective, that's really going to help us to continue to be competitive, to be relevant you know, over the next several years. I think personalization technologies are really just starting to get serious use in healthcare. Uh, and I think they have the potential to, to change things in a big way. I mean, to be fair there's a lot of tools that many healthcare organizations already have that they're just not maximizing the use of, right? I think there's a lot of CRM systems out there. Organizations are using 20% of the capabilities of it. I think there's a lot of marketing automation tools out there where it maybe came bundled with that CRM or someone bought it for a specific set of use cases. There are lots and lots of other things they can do that they're not doing there. So I think, you know, this is going to be, The next couple of years, I guess, are going to be the years of user experience, I think, in the digital realm and really looking at how we go from the place we are to creating some engaging experiences with consumers that are competitive differentiators instead of just good enough.
0: I'm looking forward to fast forwarding these next couple of years and getting to that point like as soon as we can. And having talked about this as a competitive difference, like you were just saying, that's not the common language right now. And it's interesting to me, I love, like pizza was the perfect example, right? (laughs) On the transactional side. I don't remember prior to the pandemic, hearing people compare parts of our lives in healthcare to other parts And just saying, see, it's simple there. Like that conversation is happening more and more now. And that's it's encouraging. It's also a challenge because not everyone is at that same spot where they're ready to make that transition. And I think along those lines, I mean, that's kind of a perfect way to set up the consumer research that you just mentioned. I'd love to go through this a little bit. So you mentioned this was some research about preferences and perceptions of healthcare consumers, specifically related to their use of technology throughout that journey. So maybe we can start with some of the basics, like how the how that research was conducted and, and how many respondents and that kind of thing. We want to walk us through that and then then we can dive into some takeaways.
1: Absolutely. As I mentioned, we've traditionally done a survey asking people who work in health systems and and agencies and vendors and, and folks like that, kind of what they see as important in in this digital realm. And this year we took a step back and we looked at these big trends that I've already talked about a little bit, right? More competition. We saw some evidence that there's been uh, some degradation in, in patient loyalty, just all the changes that came through the pandemic itself and and saying, you know what, we're hearing a lot at the conferences, you know, all these other places where we're engaging with other folks. We're hearing from the health systems, kind of what they see as the priorities and where they see this stuff going. We, we heard from a lot of agencies and vendors and, and honestly folks like us giving their thoughts on where this stuff was going. What we weren't hearing enough about was what is the consumer perspective on this stuff? And so we wanted to close that gap to a large extent, right? So we did an online survey, as one does. In the end, we had 601 responses in that final data. And we, we were looking at the consumer perspective. We walked them through a typical consumer healthcare journey. And at each stage, we ask them how they want to engage with the healthcare system. And we mean that in the broadest possible sense. Uh, And then we took some of those stages and jumped in and dug in some more detail about how consumers are making decisions about their care, why they're leaving current providers to go elsewhere. We wanted a sense, you know, really from a trust perspective how they saw kind of their their local care options, the traditional care options that they've been working with in the past, and how that compares to some of these new players that we're, we're looking at and we've been concerned about as an industry and and honestly, they're back on their their pathway and their their growth trajectories now after the pandemic as well.
0: You want to talk us through some of these the key takeaways? Let's just dive in.
1: Sure. First and foremost, we always try to look at diff- different segments of the audience, and we do that when we're we've done our industry survey. We certainly did that here. It's it's really important to realize that we can look at the universe of health consumers as a unit, but but they're not all the same. And so we did start by putting a bunch of questions in there to try and see where behavior might be different around some things that we could grab onto and define. And we did see some real variation around things like like age groups, maybe not surprisingly. But even more than that, the thing that we kind of grabbed onto in a big way was people's propensity to adopt new technology, right? We have early tech adopters, and we look at how they behave. And early tech adopters are very, very different in the way they engage with all this stuff than late tech adopters. And there's some correlation there to age. It's not exactly the same. But I think, I think, you know, we, we kind of looked at you know, what are what are some ways that we can think about this group in different ways to try to segment some things out. And that, that ended up being one that really kind of jumped out of the data as we were doing analysis to just see some different behavioral patterns there. You know, early tech adopters are much more likely to change providers than more traditional late adopters of technology. They use a lot more tools as they're searching for care and and researching conditions and things like that, right? Including things like social media and, you know, voice search and and things like that. And, And honestly, they're much more likely to try some of these new care options, that are available out there. So, you know, if there's a startup or, you know, if Amazon's getting into this stuff or, or things like that, not everyone is jumping into that, but there are certainly segments of that audience that are, you know, hey, I'm willing to try this. I'm, I'm willing to, to be a guinea pig. I'm willing to, to be a, an early adopter of this stuff and see how it works. And if it doesn't work, they're okay moving to something else because that's kind of the way they function. So we did see some real differences just based on who who are the early movers and who are the late movers. Another thing that really was something we were trying to explore within this, because we've seen some evidence through you know, research that you know client and partners have done and some other folks, we were really looking at patient loyalty. And you know, I think patient loyalty, even pre-pandemic, was something that we we maybe gave a little too much credibility to, to be honest. I think it was never as strong as a lot of us maybe believed in that world where, you know, you you get a patient with that new mover campaign and they're yours until they leave. Like that that was never really quite the, the real situation that you saw out there. But I think it was on the downturn going into the pandemic and during the pandemic, with the cancellations and the challenges rescheduling and, and just all of the chaos and, and need for healthcare over those couple of years there. I think it's really taken a pretty steep dive. And and what we saw was forty-four percent of respondents across the board saw a new provider in the last two years. And you know, that's not all, not all maybe loyalty issues. Sometimes they they have a new health issue or something like that, but it is it is a lot of movement. And again, our early adopters were somewhere north of 50%. So for some groups it was significantly higher than that but we did see a lot of a lot of movement a lot of people willing to explore and use different care options than they had before and that just felt different than what we've seen in the past so we you know as we dig into that you know what's important when consumers are selecting care and honestly like one of the the top surprises to me is having a previous relationship with a provider was in the bottom half of the selection criteria importance that people gave us back. And that was true across most of, most of the different groups that, you know, no matter how we cut the data, you know, it's certainly below things like, Hey, do they take my insurance? Right. That, that maybe makes sense to us, you know, or do they even have appointments available? Like that makes sense, but it fell below things like you know convenience factors are they easy to get to you know like there were a lot of things that were really kind of convenience things they were below all that stuff they were below things like pricing transparency so certainly there is some importance still in that patient provider relationship but it is way down the list and if you're more convenient like you have an opening there that's that's pretty big and i think coming out of that i think you know for the health systems that actually have some capacity what we're seeing right now is there is a better opportunity than ever to get aggressive about reaching out and trying to recruit patients. Right. I think patients are more open to moving. You know, we're still seeing a lot of challenges with many healthcare organizations around their ability to get patients in when they want to be seen, where they want to be seen in a reasonable amount of time, things like that. And so for the organizations that have the capacity to, you know, actually get patients in and have them seen. Yeah, they should be very aggressive right now in in their patient-recurring efforts. Yeah, there's a lot
0: of implications to it, it feels like, especially this feels like data that supports people who have for a while been saying, listen, we need to pay attention to the fact that people do have more choices. And that doesn't mean they're going to all migrate right away, but it does mean people aren't as accepting of a poor user experience.
1: It can make a difference. I think I do see some very different reactions to this idea of patient loyalty kind of sliding, right? I mean, it's there's some organizations that I think have been very concerned about this and and it's it's a point where you know they've they've kind of assumed that that patients were going to be loyal and not having loyal patients is kind of scary. They don't necessarily see that there's also this opportunity both to work to keep those patients and also to go out and get other patients because this is this isn't a, a situation that's unique to them it's something that that most health systems out there are experiencing we're seeing some organizations out there that aren't seeing it yet i'm seeing it in the research but we don't we don't see a lot of that in our organization right now and then when you dig a little bit it's likely in those organizations that they have very long lead times they've got more patients than they can handle right now and so some patients are are willing to wait it out but what they're maybe not seeing is is those early adopters that are maybe Younger that are maybe and more likely to not be heavy healthcare utilizers, they're peeling away, but it's not impacting volumes in a way that's that's measurable today. Or again, you know, because they've still got this backlog of things coming out of the pandemic, or or because of staffing shortages or all the other things going on right now, you know, it's hard to see that you're losing patients when you have schedules that are full, right? It, it, you you don't necessarily see that, but that's going to have implications down the road if if you're not able to, to stem that at some point along the way. So, you know, I, I do think it's something that, that organizations need to be thinking about, need to be wrapping their head around. And honestly, you know, I think from a patient perspective, if you've got resources, if you've got good insurance, like the patients that we most want and, and need in order to, to make sure the bills get paid, they're the ones who also have the most options or most, most open to, maybe going and getting care other places. So I do think it's something that organizations need to be thinking about, need to have on the radar. And even if they're not feeling the pain of it yet, it's important to get ahead of those things because by the time they feel the pain, they're already going to be pretty far behind and have a lot of work to do to make up.
0: I think overall, it is kind of helping us try to prevent a blockbuster video moment. You know, we got to keep one eye on this. And like you said, not be alarmist about it, but see how it's affecting all these other parts of a growth strategy. And that's kind of where I always come back to of, yeah, some consumer preferences are shifting and this research just helps us put it in perspective. And you're right, on an individual consumer's healthcare behaviors, some will leap to a different system. at least try somebody because... A user experience isn't as as easy as it used to be or was somewhere else. So if I'm sitting here and I'm looking at from the perspective of a hospital or health system marketing leader, how would you use this research in your work in that type of role?
1: Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, one of the things that we do see out of the research here is that those traditional local healthcare players do still have a meaningful trust advantage against a lot of the newer entrants into the field. So You do, you know, I think there are risks out there, but you do have time to make the changes. It's not as though you're already so far behind and everyone involved has written you off and has moved on somewhere else. But I do think that all of this does help to build the case for investing in improving the product. And I mean the product in all the different ways, right? You know, there's a lot of indication here that having good locations and having expanded hours and having availability and, and access and, and ease of, of finding things and, and all those things are really important to consumers and maybe more important than they've ever been. So, you know, this is not all digital, you know, fixes to healthcare problems. You can only put so much lipstick on your pig. It, only, it won't help, right? So if the if the underlying product is broken, Like You need to also be fixing the underlying product. But but all that said, I think this does really help to build the case for investing in digital user experience, digital front door, really looking at how we can up our game to be engaging with consumers where they are. And, And overwhelmingly, what we saw from this is digital is where consumers are through much of this process. And even if most of the care that you deliver is delivered when people walk in the door and are physically in one of your facilities, there's so much more to their journey and their interaction with you that happens outside of that door than happens inside inside the room. So I do think this is great for for helping to build that case using consumer data for what's going on out there. I do think that this is also... Great information about how to meet consumers where they are today and where they want to be engaging with us. I think a great example of this is texting, right? You know, we hear from from different organizations, "Hey, I want to, I want to get into this platform or that platform. I want to do this or that." So many organizations are still not really using texting in you know to the extent that it should be. Right? The killer app here, obviously, is appointment reminders. Overwhelmingly, this is the way people want to get them. That it is the preferred way to do that. But I you know see organizations struggle with, like, what else should we do with texting and messaging? And honestly, the other thing consumers really want to do with this is they want to be able to ask questions of their doctor or their health system between visits without having to pick up the phone. Everything else they're doing when they don't need an answer right this moment, they're doing that stuff with texting. That asynchronous messaging thing is ingrained in all our lives, we would like to be able to ask our doctor questions using this technology as well. And and we don't see a lot of health systems supporting that in, in quite that way or you need to use like a really proprietary system like my chart or something like that in order to do those things. And I don't think it's quite getting to where consumers would like that kind of stuff to be. The other thing that I think is a a great takeaway from this research is just understanding those gaps between where consumers' expectations are right now and where your organization is today, right? So we look down that list of what's important to consumers when they're selecting care. And again, if, if you don't have any availability and you have bad locations, like those are things that just fundamentally need to be fixed. But for a lot of organizations bringing a lot of the information that's the most important things around which consumers would like to make choices to the forefront has been really tough. Pricing transparency, super important to consumers. If this is something that the CVSs and Walmarts of the world are really good at, They are good at, at, at those pieces of things, letting you know exactly what this is going to cost you out of pocket as you go in. And, and health systems today, for the most part, not not very good, even when we're talking about that same range of services in, in many cases. If consumers are, are looking at, at convenience or or even the number one item was, do you take my insurance kinds of questions? Right now, it's really hard in a lot of organizations to search for, I want to only see doctors that take my insurance, right? That's just something where where the data has been a challenge and we haven't prioritized going and getting that data cleaned up and maintaining it over time. I'm yet to see a provider directory that lets me search for doctors that have appointment availability next week. It's just not something that we, we offer in a lot of cases today. And it's pretty challenging given some of the technology environments and the openness of some of the systems behind things and things. We need to get there. Like that's going to be table stakes going forward before we know it here. And so we need to be able to get to places where those things, kinds of things are available. And, and we can, we can see more of that. The data like helps to guide places where where we can see those gaps more clearly and start to target them. What kind of progress do you hope
0: we can see with consumer health? So you talk about a lot of the different trends, a lot of the very tactical pieces of that. I loved you focusing on scheduling because there is still so much work to be done there and it is not easy or else we would have gotten there already. So that's one piece. But what kind of progress do you personally hope that we can see with consumer health in, say, the next
1: months. You and I go to a lot more healthcare conferences than I think the the average person in provider organization out there, and so we see a lot of these stories. And you dig, and in, in there, it's a pilot initiative, or it's you know it's one organization, or it, you know there's so many things that I think are really exciting that are happening out there, but they're happening at the bleeding edge still. Appointment scheduling, that whole nut to crack. Like we need to make progress, and we see you know a handful of organizations that are. Getting beyond the most basic, the simplest scenarios. I think really comprehensive solutions there are going to be game changing. I think personalization of the digital experience and and across the web and apps and other things. I think like that, you know, getting that out of those, those niche scenarios with a small number of, of bleeding edge organizations to make that something that many, many healthcare organizations are really taking advantage of in a bigger way is going to be huge. I do think that we over the next 24 months are going to start to see hopefully pretty fundamental shift to what digital engagement and what those digital experiences fundamentally look like. And I sort of draw this, this parallel, right? Today there's all kinds of information on the consumer website and it gives you lots of, lots of stuff upon around which you can make decisions. And then even if you can go and actually make the appointment or something like that, you click and you jump off to usually it's a walled garden kind of EMR portal solution that looks different and feels different and is kind of lightly branded to the organization but it's an entirely different kind of experience and the two sides of that thing don't really talk to each other. My daughter is a, a big fast fashion person and so she'll she'll be watching Instagram or TikTok or whatever and we'll go through and and, and click to see some product and it, she's gone from this very polished, very slick Instagram experience to kind of a questionable website often and you can send stuff, you you can buy stuff there, but whether it's actually going to get to you or when it's going to get to you, like, you know, the experiences are very, very separate. And I feel like we're kind of in that same place from a healthcare perspective right now. Like when we go to actually do something, the experiences that we have are pretty clunky and and don't align very well and things like that. So I do think at some point we're going to break out of this, like there's some things that happen in the portal and some things that happen out of the portal realm to an, an experience where, that general web experience starts to have a logged-in component to it, and, and kind of the walls between those things get very much blurred. I think we're going to see progress similar to what we saw in travel when I get probably close to 15 years ago now, right? Where where we went from sites that just talked about places you could go and experiences you could have to sites that that still have a lot of that content, still have things that support those things. But the center of that experience is much, much more around the actual shopping, the actual transactional components of that. It's supported with that content rather than that content being 80 or 90% of the experience that people have with it. And I think, I think we're going to see some radically different ways that organizations are, are telling the story and engaging with consumers digitally as some of these things come, come to pass. I think the last thing that I'm really hoping to see here is, I think there's just this this need for healthcare providers to compete for every appointment, to compete for every patient encounter, or honestly, to nurture those existing relationships with health consumers in ways they haven't in the past. Again, this idea that we need to focus really, really hard on initial patient acquisition and then we can move on to acquiring the next patient is is becoming a more and more dated concept and focusing not just on new patient acquisition, but really building those relationships and engaging and working with people who have been patients in the past is going to be really critical, I think, to health system being successful over time. Otherwise, you're going to turn into a very transactional kind of operation. I'm going to come in, I'm going to see you for something And I have no real expectation that you're going to be the next place I go for care. I'm going to go and evaluate with a clean slate every time I need something. And that's not a model that's going to work very well for a lot of the the traditional incumbent players out there. So figuring out how to really engage those consumers over time, I think, is going to be a high, high priority here over the next two years.
0: Ben, we could do a whole episode just on those three things you just shared. So we might have to do that and have you back here in the near term. Thanks so much for giving us so much to think about today. We'll drop a link to the research report in the show notes for our listeners. If you'd like a copy of that, it's all available there. And I just want to thank you for doing all you are doing to help us make healthcare consumer first, Ben. I've been speaking with Ben Dillon from Geonetric. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again.